The Way Out Podcast, episode 378. Hey, man, what's your name? My name's Greg Green. Greg, what's up? What was your... Another day in paradise. Hell yeah. What was your substance of choice, man? More. Amen. (laughs) Meth was like my main thing, but it doesn't matter. Whatever I used... I was going to use it till I was in jail or I was broke or something bad happened. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Uh, what is your recovery date if you keep track? July 11th, 2020. Nice. And how do you serve the recovery community? Um, how do I serve it? Well, let's see. I chair a, a meeting on uh, Wednesday nights. I uh, sponsored fellows. I I serve at my church. Mm. Um, I just share when I go to meetings. I share. I, I'm truthful. I'm raw. I'm real. Mm. You know, I don't. I don't just quote books and, and uh, quotes. You know, I try to be real about it. Right. You know, that's basically what I do. And I try to. I try to. I try to find the next step of growing, you know, spiritually, emotionally, whatever in my recovery. I'm always looking for the next thing to do, mm. you know, to help. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And those are all good things. You know, what do they say? We practice these principles in all our affairs. Correct, Mundo. Take it everywhere. Yes. And then, what does recovery mean to you? Recovery to me means living my life the way God intended it to be, treating the people I want to be treated, you know, being honest in all my affairs, being a good person, doing the right thing even though no one's looking, you know, um, having good relationships, being truthful in those relationships, even if you might hurt their feelings, but at least you're being honest, you know, Um, having real friendships, you know, you know, being a good employee, I used to think for years I was a good employee, but I never was. You know, I'm not even close. You know, being a good employee, um, being a good, faithful husband, you know, being a good friend. I mean, I mean, this goes on and on. It's all, all the positive things in my life. That's what recovery is. I love it. The, the holistic view, right? Like, yep. there's not an area of my life that hasn't changed or been touched by my recovery it changed everything it did oh it did it did it changed it did it changed every aspect of my life dude um especially um my relationship with god welcome way out faithful and first timers to this week's installment of the way out podcast we appreciate your ears our mission is simple to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out Podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out Podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com 
for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Listen up, everyone. Certified and professional recovery coaching is now available by going to wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. We want to help you and those you know who want help in building a strong, rewarding, and enduring recovery. Let our recovery experience and training enhance and strengthen your recovery by visiting wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. Finally, a word of caution, this podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this rendition of The Way Out, co-host Jason sits down with person in long-term recovery, Greg Green. An additional word of caution, this episode contains subject matter that may be disturbing, including graphic discussion of drug use and suicide. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call or text 988 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Greg shares his story with us from a very open and vulnerable place. A former Ivy meth user, stints in jails and prisons, and a suicide attempt survivor. He pulls no punches in his sharing, and he even got Jason to share some pretty hard stuff for anyone to admit on the air. Indeed, it was a fine opportunity for a couple of men in recovery to connect and get gut-level honest about how some things affected their mental health, as well as how drugs diminished their moral code. As Jason said about this interview, and I quote, I don't know the last time I said, you're telling my story to someone so many times. We hope you come along for the ride as we get to know Greg and see how far he has come on his recovery journey, and we're convinced you'll be glad you did. So listen up. Hey, what's up, everybody out there in Way Out Podcast land? This is Jason, your trusty co-host, and I'm here with a new buddy, uh, Greg Green. What's up, Greg? Not much, just having fun. Welcome, sir. I'm glad you could be on. Greg is uh, really good friends with one of my coworkers and a guy I've known since early recovery, like his best friend. And then actually another one of my really good friends, guy I got baptized with uh, who's in recovery is Greg's current sponsor. And he was the one that video called me one day and said he was suggesting that Greg share his story on the podcast. So I said, hell yeah, let's do it. So I'm super pumped to have you here, brother, and uh, give you a good service work opportunity. And I, I have no doubt in my mind, man, your story is going to touch some people today. 
Well, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to share yeah. some uh, strength, hope, and experience. It's going to be awesome. And I look forward to hearing the story. With, you know, in the intro, you guys heard it. We He was trying to jump right in, and I had to pump his brakes for him. <laughs> and that's <laughs> I like it. He's ready to rock. That's awesome. So uh, that being said, man, we usually – I try to start out at the beginning, you know, a little bit of family of origin. What was it like being little Greg uh, and work up to, you know, how you got introduced to substances. So with that, my friend, I will let you take the floor. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, I didn't have like the tra- childhood trauma. A lot of people had uh, my trauma was a result of my, my addiction. I, 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 my parents are still alive. Thank goodness. But they were, they were good parents. I didn't have any wants or needs, and I always felt safe. But I always felt weird. Like in social situations, I was felt like I didn't fit in. I had trouble talking to people if I didn't know them, you know. Um, well, and then, of course, weed and alcohol helped break down that barrier. And then, you know, just like anything else. You know, people say marijuana's harmless. Well, it's not because it was a gateway drug for me, you know. Um, and then I just started progressively doing more, trying more different things, different substances. Till I found the one that really, really gripped me hard was, you know, meth. I mean, it was a, it changed my life in a bad way forever. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I've, you know, 30 years of, uh, 30 years of meth addiction is uh, what I've been overcoming. IV use, you know, all that. I was, I've been incarcerated many times, prison and jail. Um, countless relationships ruined. I mean, either, you know, opposite sex, you know, relationships are the same, just friends, pals. Um, law, you know, the law, being on paper and Constant is just and then losing losing things, losing jobs, um, criminal activity, doing things that I was brought up not to do that I wouldn't never do, you know, and the violence and all that stuff. I'm not going to get into it. I don't what do they say around it. here? They say they always say yet, you know, like it, when when you ever whenever I hear somebody is I don't know people used to do that shit to me when I first started recovery like. I'd be like, well, I didn't ever fucking do that, you know. Like, oh my god, yeah. And it, they'd be like, yet, yeah. like, don't judge that dude, you know. Like, you ain't done that yet. And I, All right. that always stuck with me, man, because you know, eventually, your moral principles, your <laughs> your moral code's gonna go out the window. <laughs> oh, it disappears. Yeah, it disappears, man. Yeah, I used to think, you know. It's funny. I, as long as I hold a job, I'm okay. Well, I held a job until I didn't, you know. And you know, you know, I had, I had all these rules I only used before work, or I wouldn't shoot up when I work. But then, you know, pretty soon I'm shooting up in the fucking porta potty at work, you know. And, you know, and it just keep, you know that downward spiral that it goes. You know, it's just uh, it is horrible and uh. And you know, I was, I was, I was used to joke around. I'm a functioning addict. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I don't know how functional I was. I was enough to, I mean, I wasn't homeless till, till the bitter end, but uh, 
I wasn't very functional. I missed a lot of family functions. I wasn't there for people that needed me. And then, uh, for the grace of God, first time with Sarah, I don't know why she's still with me, but we had this thing. I, you know, I, I do, I do, do, do my dope and I go out and run around and I'd be back. She would hear from me from two to 14 days, you know, you know, and I come back and she'd be just be happy. I was safe because I wouldn't call her or nothing. And she so she hug. I come home, I crash. I wake up, and then of course she's gonna be bitter. And then, you know, she, you know, verbally attacked. We get into an argument, and I say "f you," and then I go out in a circle. We did a vicious circle for years. Two to fourteen days. Oh yeah, two to fourteen days. Yeah, so it was, man. <laughs> you know? It's a pretty big window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know how it is, and uh, oh yeah, that was like the that was just a horrible way to live, and the way I treated her, and um, I gave up on the relationship. She never did, and I'm grateful for that. You know, because uh, well, we did what we had to do. When I came down here, she stayed at her mom's, and I went to a sober house, and uh, I went to uh, I went to a New Way. She went to someplace up in Monticello to an outpatient treatment. When we both got healthy, we were apart for over a year before we, I mean, we still talked, don't get me wrong, you know, and so we saw each other, but we didn't like, we we got an apartment a little over a year later after we both got healthy and started going to a church together and started doing the right thing. It's awesome. Dude. And, yeah. It's, it's, it's not many people making it. And mind you, it was not easy because, she would, we, we caused some pretty big arguments between us. She'd want to get in our apartment, you know, and I was like, no, because if we don't have this, it's not going to work. And, um, well, that reminds me of a spiritual experience I had. Um, I was living in sober house in North Minneapolis and I was on the phone with her and I don't remember what the argument was, but we were, you know, the time where you just hang up, you don't say goodbye. So I go outside, smoke a cigarette out on the, on the porch. And I prayed. I, I, it's the first time I didn't do like a, like a, what they call a jailhouse prayer, you know, asking for something. You know what I mean? So I said, God, yeah, Foxhole, there you go. Yeah. I was, I was, I was just, God, please help me when I talk to her for wisdom, say the right word so we can get through this. So I talked to her the next day and I, I couldn't believe the shit coming out of my mouth. You know, I just I just said the right things, and I I don't remember what those words are exactly, but I just remember it just flowed, and she took it in, and then after I done after I was done talking, that's what that was that aha moment for me. Step two, yeah, you know, that was um, that was a, that was my first spiritual experience I had that was um, significant. It's awesome and, and to be able to like have that self-awareness in that moment where you're like observing yourself doing this, but you're like, where the fuck did that come from? Like, that sounds nothing like me. <laughs> uh, it was, man. Cause you know, especially, I mean, I was pretty early in recovery, so I still had a lot of the poison in my brain, you know, yeah. as far as spewing out verbal, you know, verbal, gar verbal garbage, excuse me. Yeah. You know, it's, Saying things that are hurtful and mean, you know, and not you know all that stuff that even if they're true, you should, you know sometimes you should say certain things, right. you know. Well, I think as men, if we're hurt 
it comes out as anger. If we're sad, it comes out as anger. If we're confused, it comes out as anger. You know, like we, it always comes out sideways unless, and that's where, uh, for me, that pause, you know, comes into play. Cause if I can pause and think before I respond, so I'm not reacting, I'm responding. It makes a million times of difference. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's bar none, so much more productive that way. But well, it is, it's hard is. not, it's hard not to just, you know, kind of be sitting there and just waiting to say what you got to say. And instead of like taking in what they say and then chewing on it and then thinking of a response, you know, a thoughtful response. Right. Well, I, I practice that in, in when I'm at meetings too. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've learned to do that too. And, and like with, I've learned, especially with Sarah is uh, I don't make any judgments when, based on emotion because I'll, I'll say something fucked up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I always say my mouth is a tendency to get me in trouble. So if I'm quiet yeah. for a moment, just bear with me. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and she's there and I said, well, I got to tell her, I got to stop. I can't talk about this anymore. She's, you know, and we both learned. She does the same to me, you know, um, yeah. I was my friends, you know, my buddy that works with you, you know, I the same way. Sometimes I just say, hey, dude, I'm not talking about this anymore. You know, yeah. Yep. You know, especially with someone close, because those are the last people you want to say something, you know, hurtful. Right. And then, yeah. I, I know for me too, it's like, and I learned this in therapy um, with some of those situations, it's, it's okay to pause, but it's some of those conversations need to happen. Right. So uh, in those circumstances, you can, you should be able to respectfully agree to step away from it for now, but we need to come back to it. We need to come back to it when we're both calm and we've had some time to collect our thoughts because if we don't do that, then it's unresolved shit more, you know, but and we don't want to pile it on. If recovery's taught us anything, it's that we need to clean it up, you know, clean up our side of the street. We need to address things as they come up in our life. We can't just let shit pile up anymore because that's when it all goes sideways. <laughs> right. Well, you got to get that stuff out. Um, and that's why, like, I'm a big advocate of, support group meetings and I uh, I'm very transparent about things that are going on in my life. I mean, I don't get into gory details, but I get into things, situations I've had. And I'll, I'll tell you a situation I had. Sarah was cleaning the face and she found my fourth step and there's some stuff I wish she wouldn't have saw that I wasn't hundred percent honest about. And, um, and I voiced that out in the meeting and, you know, and it wasn't for our faith, you know, our relationship with God. I don't know if we would have got through that, you know, because I mean, I made amends to her, but I didn't, wasn't hundred percent honest with her. And that's why you have to be 100% honest about everything, you know, because if things come out and it caused a lot more hurt than it needed to, Right. but we got through it. We got through it. Well, I mean, good. I don't know how we did, but we got through it with God's help. Well, I, I mean, she, 
I, I would think that she had the same, you know, that she also, you know, when she did the work on herself, had some things that, you know, she kept between her and her sponsor or her spiritual mentors or whoever, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I think it's normal that you would have things, but like, I know with my fourth step, actually, I might have it still, but I think I burned it. I think my sponsor told me to burn it (laughs) because of that reason. Right. Like, right. Right. You well, sir, pick, sir, you after, can pick a sponsor or a member of the clergy or whatever the hell right. that you you do your fifth step with, but then you can, you know, you like you said, it's it, you got to get it out, but at the same time, I don't think everything's meant for one person's ears type of thing. No, and and it probably was best. Now I think about it, it's probably best it came out when it did because we were both. Way in a much better place spiritually. Is she, you know, she goes to Bible study too and stuff. And we both go to faith based, faith based twelve step program meetings. Yeah. And and uh, if it wasn't for our, if if if, we if this would have came out before we were there, we probably wouldn't be together right now. Right. You know, because you know we got the, it gives you the ability to give grace. Yeah, you know, um, forgiveness, man. Jesus forgives it, forgave all of us, man, for everything we did, man. He carries that burden for us, right? You know, yeah, and, and be able to accept that is a, is a big thing, dude. And then you think that that great, that great paradox that if I want forgiveness from others, then I must be willing to forgive other people for what they've done to me. If I want grace given to me that I need to give grace to others. If I want to bless, if I want to be blessed in my life and in my recovery, then I need to be in service and blessing others. Like you can't get what you're not willing to give, you know, Amen. in this deal, man, that's crazy. Yeah, well, you're, you're so true. Cause I've, I've got people that I've had to forgive in my past that, you know, if I dwell on it, I could get a little angry about it, but whatever, it's in the past. Right. And uh, and if I'm not willing to forgive them, how can I ask her to forgive me for what I did? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and uh, but it's like uh, with my pal, um, you know, we we both had a discussion. We can't discuss the past at all with each other because we just did so much stupid crap. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's just, it'd be endless. You know, and this was just you can make a fight. So we both made an agreement. We don't discuss the past with each other. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's like water under the, if it's really forgiven, then it's gone. It, you know, yep. We yeah, dropped, you can't we, be in the conversation. We dropped the rock. We moved on. Yeah. Uh, so, Greg, how old were you when you got introduced or, you know, to substances for your first time? Um, 12-ish. Yeah. You know, drinking and, you know, weed, meth in my late teens. I don't know. I don't know an exact year. Right. My late teens. But, uh, and, all, and, and somewhere in between there is the rest of the stuff, you know, the mushroom master and all the other, all the other drugs that I've tried, you know. Right. You, know? you progressed. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, you know, 
And then once I, once I really found it, I didn't really dabble with the other stuff too much. Right. You know, you know, well, you finally find that one thing that grabs you by the balls and you're like, this is it. And then exactly. you chase it. That's what it was. And you chase That's what it was. You know, I mean, that was your, that was my whole focus for years, man. That was, that was the reason I worked, you know, I worked hard. It wasn't just, it wasn't like normal things. Like for an older person, I want to work hard because I want to have a nice home. I want to have, you know, I want to have family, provide for my family. I did it so I could just, you know, I could fill my arm, you know, right, right. that's all I cared about. That was, that, my sole, that was my sole reason for working, yeah. you know, the feed, the feed, feed the monster, you know, yeah. Yeah. feed the monster, man. You know, and all the stuff that I, it is weird because now I work, it's, it's, it's totally different reasons, you know, for what, you know, what I did before and just I stop and think about all the stuff I thought I was doing the right thing. And I wasn't because I was doing it for the wrong reasons. You gotta, you gotta think about your, uh, your motivation, even if you're helping somebody, you know, how many times in my past have you tried to, you, you help somebody, but you weren't helping them to be a good person. You're helping because they had something you wanted. You know, money, drugs, sex, whatever. You know, yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't because you know I'm I'm altruistic and I'm helping this person out. There's there's an ulterior motive there. And yeah. what I've learned now, relationships, I help people because I really truly want to help people. I want people to do well. I want people to get closer to God. I want people to have a family. You know, I want people to have an income and to be you know and have some self esteem. Yeah, dude, totally. And, you know, to your point, it's like back in that life, everything was transactional. Even if you really, you might have believed in the moment that you were helping somebody out. But then as soon as you're down on your luck, that was when it would come out for me, where at some point in there, and I could be doing this for weeks before I would realize it, but at some point I'd have a moment of clarity. I'd be like, God, I'm being a real entitled asshole or like I'm treating these people like shit, but I'd be like throwing it in their face. Like all the times I got you, I, this is the thanks I get all the times I let you crush my coach. This is the thanks I get. Like yeah. break me off something, dude, help a brother out, you know, <laughs> like right. well, trying to oh, yeah, get you throw it right back in their face. Cause, Cause I was keeping score, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not how life's about, man. Right. You know? Not a good life anyways. No, man. Just keeping score all the time. I'm, I'm building up the tally. You know, the only thing I think I keep scoring now, and not, I don't even really, but loosely, is my spiritual bank. I'm like, I know if I'm feeling like my cup is full. I know if I'm feeling like I'm really close to God. I know if I'm feeling really yep. positive and excited and hopeful about the future. And, yeah, if I'm not, I, and if I'm lacking in those areas, then it's something I need to like realize that I need to like, you know, get, I need to lean into God really is the thing for me. I think that right, always, well, always answers the question for me or service, you know, to others. But. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. Well, I was talking to you the other day and you were talking about, how I've been hearing God more. God has been speaking to me more. Mm. And um, it's really crazy. I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give a couple examples because I'm kind of excited about this. Yeah. And uh, I talked about it in my meeting last night. And uh, so I was at a meeting and this dude was getting his uh, one year key tag and he looked kind of familiar. And then he was talking 
He goes, yeah, about about last January or February, two guys came to my treatment center and spoke to me. Said some things that really kept root. And I went and talked to him, and he goes, you were, he goes, you were one of the two guys. I'm like, wow, I was like full circle. Um, and then I was going to talk at a Friday night meeting. Uh, you know Bill and Jackie. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, but, you're uh, good. Okay. Some friends of ours meeting, and um, I was supposed to speak on step nine. And normally I'm like Mr. Reading the big book, reading the NA book, you know, all this stuff, trying to make notes. And God spoke to me and said, hey, Greg, you got this. Just talk and talk about your experience you had that I just told you about with the guy in the treatment center. You know, tell him about that, too. So I went there and I spoke about that. And then a really good friend of mine showed up at that meeting that's been out for the last 18 months out reliving his misery. He showed up at that meeting. He used to be my sponsor. And I said, this man here is struggling right now, but I wouldn't be where I was today if it wasn't for him. He showed up that meeting and Sarah said it was the best talk I ever had. And I just let God speak, you know, uh, and good things have just been happening lately, or maybe I just been paying attention to it. Oh, another example. This happens to me all the time. Because you get, you know, when you're at, when you chair a meeting, Sometimes you go, oh, man, I got to go early. I got to make the copy, blah, blah, blah. It's not the chairs. You know, when you get there. And then just just last week, for some reason, I was step three kept going in my head for some reason. I don't know why. Step three, step three. So that was my topic. And it really reached out to several people about it. And it wasn't my words. I just read out of the, the NA blue book, you know, on step three. Yeah. But God put it in my head talk about step three because these people needed to hear it you know and that and maybe i'll just pay attention to that stuff more i don't know but it's just it's pretty amazing i got this new fire in me again that i had when i was in early recovery dude and this yeah. is what i this is really what i needed it's a rush it is yeah it is man. The, i get excited the, when i talk about it yeah and then what i love is that greg this is like the difference between instant gratification which wears wears off right away, you know. You crash from it, uh, and delayed gratification because delayed gratification is like soul food; it sticks to your ribs, right? It's like right. A good, it's like a good, uh, you know, fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy kind of dinner where it it sticks to your ribs and it it you know keeps you full for longer, and you you just you can feel that lasting effect from that kind of stuff man and it's it's proportionate to the work we put in you know and and then we're blessed to have those moments where you know because i don't know about you man but i don't always remember to pray before i go speak or pray before i do a podcast you know i didn't in the beginning and i bar none every time i actually do that and take the time even, even if it's just a minute just to welcome God into this situation and ask him to take the wheel, guide my thoughts, guide my words, man, and just help me reach the person that needs to hear something, you know, and it, it always goes so much better, so much better. God, amen to that, man. You stop, you stop overthinking stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's, this is my most dangerous spot is right here in this little head. Yeah, you know, I try to take control. And, um, step three, 
turn that well over, let go of them reins, you know, and that was part of, uh, part of step three for me when I went through the steps again. I, 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 this is just my opinion when I say things, but in my opinion, you need to go to, you should, a person should go through the steps every few years because you're going to build up new resentments. I don't care who you are, unless right. you're, unless you're Jesus, you know, you know, you're going to build up resentments and stuff. And when I did, I found out this character defect I have. I probably always knew about it, but I just kind of pushed it aside because it wasn't super serious. It was being judgmental, you know, and, um, and, and I could see it was harming, you know, I don't know if harming is the right word, but it wasn't good with some of my relationships with people I was close to. Because I was really opinionated about how I felt recovery should be. You know what? And you know what? It's, it's none of my business how anybody else does their recovery. They got to do it their way. Their truth is different. Their perception of the truth is different than my perception of the truth. And that's okay. All I can do is lead by example and do what I do and show people what I am and how happy I am and, you know, and all this. And it's my friends. They're going to do what they're going to do. And if I have to be there to pick up the wreckage, I will because I care. And that's just part of one addict helping another, you know, no matter what, you know. Yeah. I think for me, you know, when I'm in those moments, I'm feeling judgy. I, I got to always remember that everybody is right where they're supposed to be at in this moment. Right. So just, you, you just, it makes it easier to love them where they're at. Cause that, that simple little statement reminds me of like, God's got a plan and we couldn't even begin to fathom or understand his, his, the way he works. Right. And, and that's just the way it is. So you don't have to understand. You just got to love people, love them where they're at. And uh, hopefully they'll learn to love themselves in the process. You know, if you can give that to them. Yeah. Well, page 417 acceptance, man. Answered all my problems in acceptance, man. Yeah. It is, man. And just, just think I know. Them. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the thing I know better is to say I know better than God. And that's not, I, I, you know, that's not true. Yeah, you know? what do you say edging him out, edging God out. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sit here for right now. Could you move, please, Lord? I'm gonna sit in your throne and hell no, I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> I think our heads would explode in about two seconds. Yeah, no, you're not even, man. I can't even yeah. fathom no one having all that knowledge, man. <laughs> can't even fathom it, man. So, um, yeah, spiritual, obviously, uh. Spirituality is a big part of my recovery, um, and I'm I'm grateful because as a child, my mom and dad, especially my mother, taught me who Jesus was, and then I just turned my back on him, so I didn't have to learn from scratch when I got into recovery who God was and what He was about, and I'm grateful for that. And I try to help, try to help my uh, my fellows, and it's it's that's why I like. I like uh, NA, my NA meetings, because it's it's um, not all of the one thing. You know, there's, there's you got to have God and you got to have recovery. You got to have both, in my opinion. And if yep. you get lean too far one way or you lean too far the other way, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose what you got. Mm-hmm. You got to have an even balance, and that's why I like like the they call principles before personalities or whatever, because. Uh, like in my one meeting, 
six, eight of us, we, 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 we were just talking about something that was something around the lines of uh, higher power. I don't remember what the topic was, but we all, all six or eight of us had a different opinion of it. And it was really cool because we could talk and just have a great conversation. And, and some of us had a totally different belief than the other, but no one raised their voice. No one called names. Right. You know, no one said anything bad or good. You know, we just listened to each other. And that's what, that's what the world needs, man. You know, because people, all they listen to the stuff that's on their platform. And if that's all you listen to, you're, you're not going to grow at all. Right. You got to listen to stuff that you don't might not agree with. You don't believe about, but you need to hear all this other information, mm-hmm. you know, so you can come, you know, make some smart decisions in your life. And if, uh, I think the whole road should work the 12 steps, to be honest with you. What a place it would be. Yes, it would. I, I agree. And I, I do, I do too. Like I kind of always have had this, belief and i don't know it comes from a feeling like it's just a feeling i get you know when somebody's talking like if if a native is talking about the creator and and their spiritual practice or if a person at a dharma meeting is talking about the buddha or whoever they believe in their conception of god is it's all the same in my opinion it's all coming from the same source and it's just like different cultures uh depiction of that source right and the way can you notice in all these different belief systems so many of these spiritual truths are universal they are the same across most belief systems why is that? It's I think it's just the same thing, man. You know, with a different name stamped on it or a different picture or whatever you want to call it. Right. That's a, the Ten Commandments. You know, live your life by the Ten Commandments, basically. You know, don't steal, don't kill. You know, <laughs> cover things that are you know, you know. <laughs> what do we always say? Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, don't be a dick. <laughs> right. Well, it's true, and um and I don't believe if someone doesn't know who Jesus is, but they live their life and they're good. They're they're living in some third world country in the jungle or whatever, but they're a good human being. They're treating people and they're raising their family with love and appreciation and considerate. They're they're going to go to heaven too. It's it's not like they they need they don't need to be saved if they're good. That's just my my personal opinion. I don't think it's you know my my truth on a higher power is mine. But if you have whatever you believe, like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, universal. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I, I, I wanted to ask you about, I guess the kind of, and I, I hate it when people say the rock bottom moment, cause that's not what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for, you know, kind of a, in a general way, cause you probably hit a hundred bottoms, you know, but, uh, kind of uh, where the progression came to its natural end, the, you know, the catalyst, if it were, to you actually um, surrendering to try something different and uh, find a better way to live. Uh, Uh, How how did that play out for you then? Well, that's interesting. Because, I mean, I was a, you know, addict for pretty much my whole adult life. Um, my relationship was shit 
dude, mostly to me. I don't know why she even uh, hung out with me. Um, I had a, I tried to kill myself. If she wouldn't have been there, hold me up, I would have hung myself. That wasn't enough to make me stop. Um, then, uh, it isn't interesting. One Sunday, someone came over knocking on my door one Sunday morning uh, as a good friend of mine. And, uh, he planted a seed in my head and he, my dad came over and he talked, talked to my parents and he told my parents that, uh, stop helping me out all the time. Cause they were, they enabled, enabled me big time for years. And, um, when they decided they didn't want to talk, when they didn't want to talk to me anymore and they wouldn't have nothing to do with me, that was, that was my driving force. My parents were my rock. They were always there no matter what. Yeah. When they said, no, we had enough. That tough love. You know, that tough love thing. It's true. Cause you, you, you think you're helping someone, but you're not. I was a perfect example of it. Perfect example of it. I should have been, had more repercussions years ago, but I didn't because you know, they helped me. I can always turn, I can always turn to them no matter what, you know? And, um, and I just, this is the parents out there. You can't do that. And I know it's easier said than done. You know what? I'd probably do the same thing if I had a child, you know, I don't know. I don't have any children. But, you know, it's hard to say what you do until you're actually put into that position. But uh, that was that was a driving moment. I didn't have any – I mean, my, my, my shame was there. I hadn't worked for a couple of years. I stopped I, I stopped working and just started to, decided to focus on my addiction full-time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Work was getting in the way. <laughs> so I decided to focus on my addiction full-time, man. And, I only uh, laugh because I had a period similar to that where I was like – you know, I don't fucking need this job. Why do I need this job when it takes me, you know, 10 hours a day, six days a week to make a thousand bucks when I can make a thousand bucks in five minutes? This is stupid. It was just getting in the way of my business, my side business, my drug, right. which was really only an excuse to get people to like and accept me. And so I could blast off to the freaking moon, outer space, you know. Because yeah. I also was an intravenous user, and it's just, it's just like so I could get my dope for free, basically. Uh, right. Just stupid. Yeah, that was weird. I and that that, that was my moment, though, was that when my family wanted nothing to do with me, someone that close, and uh, and uh, that was that was a tough moment. I mean, it was. I could. That was probably the last thing. I mean, uh, I could see the progression last few years of things, you know, certain moments happen and people, I was, I was realizing more and more people weren't my friends anymore. And as I was getting older, cause I was 50, 50 when I got into recovery and it used to be, I used to be a tough guy, but I was getting older. I didn't like to fight. And then if people did something to me, I, you know, I'd be on them. But as I was getting older, I couldn't, I wasn't as, acted like that quite as much and people took advantage of me more. So I was getting really depressed about that, you know, and all that stuff. And I remember, I remember countless times walking around St. Cloud, just my, my feet were just raw because, you know, I let someone use my vehicle, you know, and then of course, you know, all that, you know, the story there, you know, not knowing where it is. So I'm looking for it. Desperation, having not having a phone, nothing, you know. But that still wasn't enough. 
you know, all these things. And then I, I knew I just needed them. I needed a better, I wanted a better way to live, you know, and then uh, it changed. Um, if you want to change your life, you got to change the way you live. And I, I, it took me a while. And I finally realized that after I came down here, you know, um, thinking about all that stuff, because I came down here, I want to change, but I didn't want to quit getting high. I just thought, you know, I could just come down here and clean up for a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then I started observing people. They were truly happy. I was going to certain meetings and I seen it. So I just kept going to these same meetings because I think I seen these people and I wanted what they had. And I just, I just listened to what they had to say. I didn't say much first six months. I just kind of hung out and just listened, man. And I observed people and I listened and I observed and, uh, and I slowly, you know, and then I finally fit, finally got, got a balls to ask someone to be my sponsor. And that's when the, that's when the real change started to happen. Yeah, you know, I, I that's you know you tell my you're telling my story again, Greg. Because when I first came <laughs> in, when I first came in, I'd show up five minutes late to the meeting and I'd leave five minutes early. Why you ask? Because I didn't want to know any of you guys. I certainly fuck didn't want you to know me. I thought it was a cult, and I didn't. I I had my reservations about it. But all I knew is that as long as I was sitting in one of those chairs, I wasn't calling dope man. I wasn't trying to hook up. And it gave me things to think about um, other than the same old gnarly stuff that was going on in my head. And, you know, eventually, like you said, you start to see the change happen in other people. Uh, at some point in there, you get the hope. I don't know for you, but for me, it was like when I seen people changing, I would think, yeah, well, that's not going to last. They'll fall off. So I would watch those people. And then after weeks would go by and I would see them growing more, I would see that they're still digging in and that they're, they're blossoming and they're starting to glow now. And they really seem free. And the way that they respond to things is different and all that shit. So then I'm like, that's when I think the hope come in. Cause then I'm like, there's something to this, man. I got to give this shit a shot. I got to try it. You know, I just got to try it. Yeah, that's, that's what I did. And then I told you about the step two aha moment I had, you know, at the sober house. That's when I, that was about the time I got, you know, enough courage to ask someone to be my sponsor, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it started working and I just pay attention. And I, I could see the people grow. And then as I've been in, having a few 24 hours under my belt, I see people that I knew some of them were friends of mine started starting to flatten off and they weren't, they weren't doing the, you know, they didn't have that. And pretty soon they relapsed. Maybe just out for a brief moment, but some relapsed. And I, and I knew I didn't want that to happen to me. And I'm grateful that I got to see these people, even though I might've caused them pain or the people around them pain. I'm grateful. I got to see what happened. So I know what I got to do. I always got to find the next thing to do, you know, yeah. um, whether it's, you know, just talk to my sponsor, this class, and that that friend of ours is having that men's meeting thing, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do uh, more fellowship because I was really not really into fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I go to my meeting, but I'm going to the fall ball. 
next weekend, you know, and just to get to know, I'm just I'm putting myself out there more, man. Cool. Is what I'm doing. Yeah. And just remember, Greg, it's quality, not quantity too. So it's like, you know, it doesn't mean that your recovery is better or worse than somebody else's. If they go to all these events and shit, like some of us don't have that right. free time that way, uh, you know, or it's not as potent of a ingredient of our recovery, maybe to us as it is to them. I think the important thing is to just be self-aware and, notice the things that work for you and do more of that you know it's it's like my grand sponsor says man you got to get out your sifter you know and you know take what you like out and then just toss the rest and right well i agree that's right well i'm, I'm willing to try it it gives it gives me and sarah something to do you know you know that's something we haven't done something new you know and it's something it's a safe place to be because you know, in your recovery, we're, we're limited on what we can do sometimes. I mean, you can only go out to eat so many times, right? you know, you know, and I don't want her to go to every meeting I go to. That's just, I like to keep our recovery separate. I think that's healthy. Yeah. You know, and um, no, I just, I think that's really, you know, that's then another key is uh, keeping our, her and I recovery separate. I mean, we, we, we lift each other up, but I never pushed her to do 12 steps or what she does and I don't tell her what to do and she doesn't tell me what to do and we do have one meeting a week that we go to together you know yeah. no I think that's a healthy spot because it's different strokes for different folks plus sometimes if you always go to the same meetings you might need to share something but you don't want it to start a fight because it's got to do with them <laughs> you know right like, you don't need to be sitting here if I need to vent it out, you know, and vice versa. You know, I don't want to sit here and start all of a sudden get blindsided because you start a bitch fest about me in the meeting. You know, uh, we need to have those safe spaces where we can, you know, throw away the filter and let it all out. And uh, sometimes you can't do that with your significant other right there. Maybe you're in a raw place, you know, like we were talking about earlier. You get it. If I'm going to talk to my significant other, we need to be in a calm place where we can both hear each other out and understand each other. Not, not be like, because I might break down or I might, you know, start yelling, you know, about something. You know, if I'm telling people what I've been going through and she don't need to be there for that. Like, that's that's me processing and trying to get to a place where I can share it with her in a healthier, more productive way. <laughs> you know, right? But, no, I agree one hundred percent. And like the meeting that we go to together, it breaks off into men's and women's groups. Yeah, you know. So, so you still then, get that space. You still get. Yeah, that we still space. get the space. You know. Yeah, and I and I think that's important. I, I like that part about being raw because if you don't. That's the beauty. If you don't feel safe or comfortable talking, you're not going to. Right. You know, you know, if you're afraid of repercussions somewhere, you might not even be thinking that way, but you're going to hold back, man. And um, I, you need to be 100% honest when you're talking at a meeting. I don't care what, what you know, what, what it's about. You got to be 100% honest. Otherwise, you don't get that shit out. Right. You're hosed. Yep. You're hosed, man. Amen. You know, it's funny because. 
that I mean, I I pretty much know it's one of two uh, that you're t- that meetings that you're talking about. Uh, it's either Grace Recovery or it's North Star Ministries Life Recovery. Yes. This second one. Yes. And I will include that meeting information if you're listening and you're in the state of Minnesota or in the Twin Cities area. I'll include the link to their Facebook page in the show notes for that meeting. And they also do it, uh, they live stream the beginning half before they break off into men's and women's groups. And actually, it's right before they celebrate clean time because that's also, uh, you know, what happens here stays here, confidential stuff. But the the beginning of the meeting, the the introduction and the speaker, they always uh, record and stream live on Facebook as well. So even if you're not from Minnesota and you want to check out uh, this faith-based meeting that he's talking about, you can check out the first half and then have your own small group at home. You know, how about that one? Uh, we'll put it in the show notes for you guys so you can check it out. Uh, it's a great meeting. I actually, those two, uh, Bill and Jackie, the leaders of that meeting, they were, um, I was part of the team that put together Grace Recovery when we formed that. And they had already formed some other meetings up for the Crossing Church uh, in the northern suburbs at, at that point. So they helped us put together Grace uh, helped us carry it. They were leaders in it for a while before God called them over to North Star. And then they they actually run that entire ministry there, uh, which is awesome. And it's it's the same format as, you know, we did for Grace. And it's it's a great format to your point, Greg. You know, you can go, you can you can hear the teaching or, or the speaker's story and then you still break off into men only or women only groups where you can have that safe space to share still. So that's kind of like a cool format that works around that issue we were talking about where it's like, you can't do your recoveries together all the time. You have to work your own separate programs. Right. And I, and I, I'm a firm, I think, I just think the men and women, you should be separate yourself because I don't think like a woman, you know, and a woman doesn't think like me and, and things that we have, uh, think are no big deal. They think are huge deals, you know, and it's, uh, I don't speak their language all the time. No, you know, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, you know, women Men are different. Are from Mars, women are from Venus or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just like why they say you don't have a, don't have an opposite sex sponsor. You know, I mean, it just makes sense. Right. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, like, you know, like there's there's always exceptions to the rule. Don't get me wrong, but you know, when they have all these rules in recovery, you should follow them as a whole. But there's always a little exception. There's things that you know you gotta you gotta be flexible. Yeah, you know? they're not they're not rules, man. They're only suggestions. Oh, <laughs> right, they're suggestions. I forgot. Yeah. But 90% of the time, if you don't listen to the suggestion, you regret it later or you learn the hard way. And then you're like, oh, now I get it. It's like, you know, it's strongly suggested to jump out of an airplane with a parachute on. <laughs> yep. But I mean, if you don't want to listen, bro, have at it. But right. I don't think you're going to like the end result. <laughs> right. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Sorry about that. They're not rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I just I thought it was perfect. Like, it's so funny, dude. The longer we do this thing, it's like all these little quips, these little cliches or these little sayings that just pop in your head at the random moments. Uh, yeah. And it's funny because I, I used to fucking scratch my head or scowl at all those things on the walls. And, at, you know, the more work I did and the, everything, eventually it was like every single one of them had, now had a deep personal significance to me and it meant something, you know, and it was very profound. And I loved all those things that were on the walls. But at first you're like, fucking, what is that? Exactly. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like you said, as you progress, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's really the truth or my version of the truth, how I perceive it. You know, you know, it's uh, (laughs) all those cliches are just, you know, they they don't put them there for no reason. You don't put them there because they sound good, it's because they actually work. Amen, brother. Because they work. So, Greg, I got some closing questions here. If you're down, run through them quickly with you. All right. Number one, here at the Way Out Podcast, we think that daily routines can be essential for a meaningful and sustainable recovery. So, Greg, what does your daily or regular recovery routine consist of? Well, I get up really early uh, for work, earlier than I need to, because that's when I have my quiet time. Um, so I make sure I read something positive every day. I read Jesus Calling. I read uh, another devotional called Wisdom for the Way by Charles Swindoll. I read uh, Just for Today. Um, I pray to I pray to God, do my daily prayer. Um, you know, I'll do an... Um, I pray for wisdom because I usually I do my 10th step at night or in the morning sometimes. And throughout the day, I do my 10th step, actually, now that I think about it. Because I sometimes I open my mouth, especially at work, you know, when I shouldn't. You know, I'm, I find myself making amends at work to some of my, you know, I go to, I go, I try to go to at least three meetings a week. Um, I talk to my sponsor. I don't talk to him every day, but I meet with him. Even though I've been through the steps, I meet with him once a week. Um, I talk to him several times a week. And I always try to read and say it again. Stay the heck off of TikTok and read something positive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I tell my friend, a friend of mine that. You know, yeah. and, um, I, I tell, tell that, that same time. friend. I tell that yeah. same friend when we're out of town, I'll be like, because. <laughs> yeah. Well, A, I just get annoyed from the sound of TikTok blaring on somebody yeah. else's phone. It annoys yeah. me. But then I'll look at them and I, and I really say it just to jab at them, kind of. But yeah. But I'm also partially serious, but I always go, hey, thrown before the phone, man. <laughs> like, why don't you? I'll try to throw something, cause my, some positive, because what you put in here, you know, is going to come out here. You know, right. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a big Bible reader, though. I'm, I'm you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I'm just not a big Bible reader, but there's so much good stuff you can read. You know, the big book, any book, whatever. I read something out of all that stuff, you know, not every day, but I read living clean. You no, know, I'll read all those books. 
I love that book. Living Clean is cool because it kind of addresses the life stuff, not, you know. Yeah, that's, but that's my daily routine is uh, I go to my meetings. Um, you know, I go to a meeting on, sometimes I go Tuesday night, but I usually go Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I go to meetings. Those are my main days. And then uh, I can pop one in, but I got to have some time with Sarah. So got to have family time too. Yep, it's a balance. It is. It is. She reminds me of that all the time. Hell yeah, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see you. Uh, (laughs) So next question, Greg, and you just named a lot of uh, books, actually. But the next question, oddly enough, is what is a book or piece of recovery literature that has had the biggest impact on your recovery? So let's see. You would pick the big book, okay? Well, book. We have had, that is a great one as a textbook. It's it is uh, designed for living, but I'm going to try something a little different because we have had the big book be the suggestion on half of the almost 400 episodes of the Way Out podcast. It's okay. one of the you know, and for good reason, right? But. For my own personal, I guess I'm just doing this selfishly, maybe. But you had mentioned uh, two devotionals you read in the morning. The second yeah. one that you mentioned, what was that called? Jesus Calling. Nope, the other one. Oh, Wisdom of the Way. Wisdom for the Way. Okay. Wisdom for the Way by Charles R. Swindoll. Cool. Because I don't think we've had that suggested. And every single other book you named, we have. So I'm going to put that one in the show notes, you guys. Sure. Uh, if you want, I'm talking to the listeners now. If you want any of that other stuff, uh, you a probably already have it, already probably read it, or you could find the link to it in any <laughs> any other episode show notes. So I'm going to add this different one that I've never heard anybody say before. So I'm going to put wisdom for the way in the show notes. But if you listened to the episode, then you know the secret. Greg's pick was the big book. <laughs> All right? So we got a little secret now. Yeah. <laughs> Next question, buddy. What is the best piece of advice that you think you've ever received in recovery? Shut your mouth and open your ears. Simply said, and a powerful results come from that, sir. Next question. You just made that one easy, huh? Nice and fast. <laughs> what is the greatest challenge that you've had to face in your recovery? The greatest challenge I've had to face in my recovery? Yes, sir. My sponsor, relapsing. That can really shake you up, can't it? It did. And I didn't. And this, because it's probably Eagle thing, I didn't speak about it for a while. And then finally, I had, happened to be on Friday's meeting. I found, hey, I got to talk about this. It's really because I was building some really strong resentments. Right. You know? And uh, yeah, it was it was really tough. It took me, it took me a long time to process it. And it really, it really, it really messed with my head. 
a but lot. You made it through without using. Yeah, it. I, I made it through, and my sponsor is back. Yeah, so he's back from the darkness. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was really it was really tough, man. When I was about, I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast. By the way, this story, but you just reminded me of it, so I'll share it. Uh, when I was younger, I was like 27. I was, uh, you know, losing my mind. I was shooting a lot of fluff at the time. And uh, this, we had new management to my job. And it was really, they were really hard to deal with. They didn't have restaurant experience. And they, they added a lot of the, extra stress that I wasn't used to, to my, my normal routine of life and running the restaurant and everything. Um, man, I was, I was bitter. I hated them all, which made me use more drugs. I ended up actually seeking help, right? I went to treatment for my first time and I got, of course, as a part of that treatment, we had to go to a meeting every Friday night that was at the facility. It was a NA meeting and it was, or it was an open AA meeting is what it was, but there was one guy there. His name was Johnny and he was an older, way much older than me guy, but he was the only like not alcoholic person. He was an intravenous drug user, like since he was a young man. Um, and I, at that time, because this was my first introduction to any of this, was back then. And it was short-lived, I'll tell you that right now. And partially it was because of that reason. This dude, you know, I, I approached him. I liked what he had to say. Uh, he, I asked him to sponsor me. We met a few times. I was, uh, I just did my fifth step with him, but Full disclosure, I left some things out of my fifth step or my fourth step, I should say, because I was not ready to share them. And I didn't understand that you can't, you can't leave any stone unturned, right? But anyway, so this dude come into the next week's meeting and I tried to say what's up to him. And he was very like, distracted with some conversations sidebar conversations and it was weird you know something seemed off and then after they did the initial like welcome and all that stuff uh he jumped up to the podium and he told the whole group that he relapsed uh on on meth and crack cocaine so then he came up to me after that and i was stunned i was stunned and then he put his hand on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, I'm sorry, kid, I can't be your sponsor anymore. I never went back to that meeting. I, I like denounced the whole thing. I mean, they almost had me, I think, at that age. You know, they almost had me convinced that this thing works and blah, blah, blah. But that was all it took, man. And it completely derailed me. I ended up going back to... Well, first it was the bars, then the weed, and then eventually, you know, I'm picking up a pipe because my junkie brain, it always starts there. I'm like, I can smoke some meth. 
You know, that ain't, that ain't shit. And then <laughs> next thing you know, I got some needles, right? So uh, I went right back to my old life, basically, uh, you know, in a very short period of time after that, man. So, but then in this recovery, this go around, you know, 10 years almost later when I entered into this recovery, I had a, I had a sponsor that, you know, dad got terminally ill. He didn't have time to meet up anymore. So I had to find a different sponsor. And then I ended up finding out a little bit later that he went back to, to doing math. And, and, uh, you know, as far as I know, he's still out there. It's been over four years since that happened, man. And I was still shook by that a little bit, but nothing like that previous experience. It didn't completely knock me off my square. It didn't completely fuck me all up and make me bitter and jaded and 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 just instant hopelessness, right? Like I really thought this guy could help me and since he fucked up, now I'm fucked. I am he was my only lifeline in the world to me at that, you know, when that happened. But not this time, you know. This time I had a foundation already going and uh thank God, you know. And then I was able to try to be there for him a couple times too throughout the last like four plus years. But he, you know, we talk a few times and it would be good, you know. And then just don't hear from him anymore because they're going, they're off and running to change their mind. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. But yeah, man, it's, I feel your pain on that. That's hard. But what an awesome blessing to see him come back in, right? Yep. Like I got it to is, I got to have that happen twice with that dude, the second yeah. day. And it was like both times, super awesome. And then we'd exchange numbers again. You know, he's had 10 fucking different numbers since last time. <laughs> but I got his new one and we'd be talking a little bit and then poof, the numbers out of service. And I never, you know, who knows? Um and if you're listening and you know, then you know who you are. I uh I'm still praying for you, brother, and I hope you find your way back out of there, out of the streets, because we got a poison drug supply now, man. <laughs> Everything, I don't even know. I'm so glad I ain't fucking around with the stuff that's out there on the streets nowadays. Bro. Right, it's terrible. Yep. Okay, so now we'll lighten it up a little bit. Next question, what do you feel is the greatest success that you've had in your recovery? The restoration of my relationships with Sarah and my parents and God. Amen. And that's huge. That's huge. That's that above, above all. My parents and Sarah and God, those that's I put that above everything. Amen. I just destroyed it. You know, I destroyed poisoned, you know, especially Sarah, you know. And in my in my opinion, my humble opinion, like those are the things of substance. Those are the things that really matter. I mean, you could ask one person this question and have them mention something like that or, or something internal, right? Like a change that they've experienced that's changed their worldview. Or they could bring up like some monetary or, you know, material type things. And I, you know, to eat, to each their own. You know, and I get it. Some things are like, you know, like a home, for instance, it's like a huge commitment, 30 years 
of payments and all that. I get it. Like some of that shit's heavy too in life or, you know, worth a lot, you would say. But, man, to me, it's that shit, man. It's that, it's those connections, especially with God. I never had any kind of spiritual life in my entire life. I never had any connection to anything that I feel ever until I went to church one day for coffee and donuts and God nut punched me. <laughs> and I couldn't deny anymore. And I welcomed him in. I said a prayer with the pastor. I said, you know, whatever. And that was my experience. I, for the first time, was hearing people talk about God stuff or whatever. And it was like striking the most rawest, like deepest buried chords in me. I couldn't deny it. You know, it was so powerful for me. And that, that was such a blessing, man. And I did not see it coming. Blindsided me. Right. So yeah, it does. He blindsides you. And if you get that, that higher power moment, that, that spiritual awakening, that spiritual experience, it just changes everything. I mean, it's going to restore you know, it's going to change you at a fundamental and deep level. It's going to do all those things, man. Yeah. I just love seeing a brother like you, Greg, walking this road, man, and doing the deal and uh, experiencing the fruits of that labor. So, well, Thanks. Yeah. Well, first off, six months I went, when I went back to church, I cried every time in church just because the tears of joy that he could forgive me for all the crap I did, you know? Yeah, awesome and yeah. it's just letting it out a little by little you know what do they say you know like the boiler and you gotta like kind of like open it a little and then like close it a little and like gradually let it out or the whole system will just freaking explode or whatever. <laughs> oh man all right man two more two more uh we're gonna get a little heavy again and then end with a fun one okay so what is something that you haven't forgiven yourself or someone else for? Well, I guess I'm going to put it out on the table. Uh, this is the, this is when I was living in Otsego, and Sarah had moved into an apartment away from me, and she came back. We got into an argument, and I pushed her. She fell against her vehicle, and she got a black eye. Mm. And I'd say still feel shame about that. Yeah. It's out of character, right? Yeah, it is. It is out of character for me. Well, let's just say I can relate. And, you know, for the sake of transparency and full disclosure and to relate and hopefully lighten your load a little for you, I think this is common. I think that, you know, we talked about it briefly in the beginning where we said that, you know, your moral compass completely gets destroyed eventually, you know, and there's things that you do that you would never do. So like there was a, a couple instances, but I'll tell you about probably the most extreme one. I had a girl living with me. I was actively using, she was up for days. She had like a four-year-old son that she only got on the weekends, but he was there. And I had been up instead of shooting the dope in my arm for once, I was drinking all night. So 
it was about six in the morning and I'm trying to pass out. I'm drunk, you know, and I wake up to little Johnny telling me he needs help. He needs help wiping his butt because mommy's passed out on the couch. Right. So I helped the little dude wipe his butt. And I was in a fine mood. I wasn't in a fall mood at all. I was actually really in a good mood it was for a change, you know, it was feeling pretty chipper. But I sat down at the end of the couch, you know, by her feet. And I was kind of trying to wake her up, but in a gentle way. And just like, hey, 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 you're going to get up. You got to get up and take care of your kid. Because I'm like pretty fucking wiped out, man. I got to go to bed. I've been drinking all night. I've been up. And she fucking lunged at me, dude, and clawed my face and my neck. And she was spitting in my face, dude. And she was up. I flipped out. We were nose to nose, screaming at each other. This bitch spit in my face. I choked her. And I was choking her for a few seconds. And then it was like, I all of a sudden was like, I seen myself doing this. And it scared the living fuck out of me. Because that is not me. And I pushed her onto the couch. And I went in my room and I like, Butter knife to the door. You remember butter knife in the door, bro? Did you ever do yep. that? That's a nice little dumbass dopey thing that we did. Like somebody can't just pop the piece of trim off. They fucking hit that thing once with their shoulder. It's going. Well, <laughs> <Right. laughs> whatever. It's gonna keep all everybody out, the shadow people out. No, I uh pushed her push her onto that couch and I just went in my room and we exchanged words through the door a little bit. Oh yeah, before all the in the face and the choking I had stood up and I told her to get out because she clawed me and she pushed me and I fell you know she caught me off my guard I I fell into my entertainment center and it gashed my forearm I remember now so that hurt and then we were in each other's face she spit at me and then next thing you know I'm like holy shit I'm like choking her what the hell what's something that I carried with me for a really long time. And I feel that I've let that go. I actually ran into that girl at a church function. Uh, This was in three, four years ago. And that was awesome because it was weird. I mean, I would have never thought that this would happen, but when I, when we recognized each other, we rushed through because it was like during like altar call at this church. So there was a bunch of people standing in a big group, you know, at the front of the stage. And I, we like went beeline for each other. Biggest hogs, man. Oh, how are you been? What are you in recovery too? I'm in recovery too. You know, it was, it was freaking awesome. We actually stepped aside at the end of it of service and, talked for like 10 minutes until that initial excitement and and the the amends piece and everything was already done at that point and then you you know that point of a conversation you hit where it's just all of a sudden awkward like yeah really nothing else to say now but this was great <laughs> so we made our peace with each other and I didn't know how much I needed that man. 
I didn't know how much I needed that. Like our relationship wasn't that important. If it was, I could have seen myself wanting to kill myself over that thing. The way that you, like, this is your wife we're talking about. Right. You know, I don't doubt why you would carry that still. But, you know, I wrote this question and I asked this question because I think it's instructive that no matter how good you think somebody is doing in recovery, no matter how much you put them on a pedestal, which you shouldn't do because they will piss all over you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we all face our battles and life still gets lifey. And this is not, over. you know, you said you have to work those steps, you know, numerous times. Right. And that's any recovery program. We want it to become a working muscle and we might have to use it every day, every week, every month, whatever, because we're never done. We're never done. We can deal with these things and find our peace and then they could come back later. Just kind of kick us in the nuts when we're down, you know, and then at least I know I got some tools I can use to pick up and fucking deal with it again. Right. Amen. Yeah. So I hope that you can find a little bit of solace in knowing that you're not alone, man. And that we I, as men, we can we can revisit that pain and we can talk about that, you know. And not lose our shit anymore because we've we've done the work and we've processed and healed. So one last question, Greg, and I'll let you go. I know it's running long. Uh, and this is the fun one, man. But what is a song that symbolizes recovery to you? High Cost of Living by Jamie Johnson. Love that song, brother. <laughs> but it's already on the playlist, so I'm going to do something for you that I don't normally do for anybody, but just thought maybe, I don't know why I felt led to do it. But if you'd like, you can try to pick another one so that you can actually have like your own contribution to the Whale playlist. I really can't think of another one, man. That's all that, right. That one, just, that one just describes things that happen in my life. Yeah. You know? It's a great and, song. Uh, yeah. And Sarah, in fact, when we were still in active use, Sarah used to play that all the time because that's how she felt. It's just, you know? And um, it's still it's a, something right here, you know, in my heart. No, you hear me? I just got goosebumps. So it's meant to be. And you know what, Greg? Scratch what I said, because that's stupid. That's your song, too. That is your contribution to the Way Out playlist. It just happens to already be on the playlist because somebody else also picked it. But that song doesn't mean any less to you because somebody picked it for you, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep, yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Well, dude, I really appreciate you being here with us and uh, sharing your story with you know, with such honesty, we, we really appreciate the transparency and I know it's going to touch some people. So thank you. And thank you for having me, brother. And if you have one, any parting words for the audience before we sign off, never give up, never surrender. Amen, brother. <laughs> you heard it here first folks. Never give up, never surrender. And uh, thanks for your ears, way out faithful and first timers. If you stuck around this long, everything that Greg shared, uh, you know, his contact information, if you want to reach him, uh, his book recommendation, his song is in 
the show notes, clickable links, nice and easy, wrapped with a bow. Uh, if you want information about that virtual and in-person meeting life recovery ministry at North Star Church, that'll also be in the show notes and uh, his best piece of advice as well. So you can have all that stuff right there. Just click show more when it's got the little description of the episode and all the show notes that scroll to the bottom and you'll find it. Also, make sure you check out the Whale playlist. It's exclusively on Spotify. Sorry if you don't listen to Spotify, uh, but it's a curated list of songs that symbolize recovery to all of our wonderful guests uh, on the show. Thanks again, Greg, dude. Love you, man. Yep. Hey, I shouldn't have said never surrender because we are supposed to surrender. Just never give up. Ooh, nice correction. And you know what? You just <laughs> reminded me I forgot to do my sign off. My, It's my like call line. Uh, so you guys we're gonna sign off but before we do i gotta remember to tell you take care of yourselves and each other god bless have a great week thank you for being a part of the way out we appreciate your ears we're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week so keep listening up if you would like to reach out to the show you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com that's wayoutcast all one word dot com there you can subscribe to the way out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators such as itunes castbox stitcher tune in podbean overcast and more or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.